gets away from Kante, plays down the line for Suarez. 98 team of the year, Suarez. He's a big past chance. Ramos. Suarez, what's he going to do? Tries to feed it back. Is that going to come to Ronaldo? Just trying to get a foot on that, maybe. Pull it now. The man that Bullock loves. Half turn there from Torres. Vieira back to Suarez on the finesse. And there we have it. The Bullock is in London. He turns around. He celebrates the Bullock. He had a plan and he's performed it. You're listening to the Foot Champions podcast with Richard and Brandon. Welcome back to a brand new Foot Champions podcast, episode 16 uh, we're on now. We're back for another week, as always, recapping the world of competitive FIFA, and we're back with a bang. I haven't just got Richard with me, I've got that man from America, living in the UK, Colin Johnson from Roma as well. But first of all, as I always do, that man next to me, Richard Buckley, welcome back for another week on the podcast. Yeah, we're going uh, back to basics, Brandon, this week. We've got... The uh, three musketeers back at the the helm of the Foot Champs podcast ship. Uh, last few weeks, Colin's not been able to join us through uh, commitments with Roma and Fnatic and the Gfinity and everything. But we're recording a little bit earlier this week. Uh, we're recording on a Wednesday night, so we've managed to get a little bit of his time. And uh, I can guarantee this is not going to be a podcast that you're going to want to miss. No, you're not going to want to miss it at all. I think we've called it the catch up coming into it because literally, now we've all been in different parts of the world essentially as well and covering different stuff within the FIFA um, community and we just wanted just to basically just have a catch up really over the last few months of FIFA but as always if you do enjoy the show hashtag Foot Champions Podcast at Foot Champs Pod over on Twitter but Mr. Colin Johnson welcome back to the show mate It's good to be back you know I think uh, Gfinity has been very very stressful and you know with uh, RLCS kicking in for my Rocket League team and Street Fighter and everything else, all the other commitments. Uh, it's finally nice to be back in and amongst it and uh, discussing competitive FIFA as we do. And you uh, spoke about Gfinity there. Let's start uh, right there with Gfinity. Uh, with three weeks down, what are your thoughts on your roster's performance so far? I believe your rest week is the your bye week is the last week, so you've got four straight weeks of FIFA, and then you'll find out if you made it into the top three. Firstly, what are your thoughts so far in the three weeks we've had? Secondly, are you confident you'll make it into that top three going into the uh, to the knockout bracket? Yeah, so it's been an interesting group of fixtures so far. <clears throat> you know, we it's it's been an up and down season. You could definitely say um, we started out with a match against Method, um, where Poacher faced up against Pricey in in the first game and. You know, had that red card that, you know, everyone was talking about slid into uh, Marcelo from behind with, with Ronaldo and got that red card in the 20th minute. So had to play 70 minutes and actually, like, looked better with 10 men than he did with 11, I would say. Played for 60 minutes and was probably the better player up until the 85th minute when Pricey was finally able to, to put himself up 2-1. And that's how it ended. Um, and then Zima came out, put in a big performance, uh, beat Zelonius 4-1, scored two really nice free kicks and... You know, we, we felt we felt okay about that, I think, um, coming out with one point um, because uh, Epsilon and Unilad also finished uh, 1-1 with fully beating Gorilla. Um, so then entering week two, um, Poacher and Zima, our starters, actually had to leave to go to, um, to, go to Germany for the Draft Story Cup, which you gentlemen were, uh, were there commentating at. 
And uh, so we had to bring in our substitutes, Ranners and Raleigh, who, you know, well-known in the FIFA community. And we ended up getting a 2-0 win over Epsilon, um, which was, you know, which was awesome. Um, getting three points, as we've learned this season, is very difficult in FIFA. It's actually a pretty rare um, a pretty rare thing. Um, I think there's been, what, uh, 12 matches played and maybe only... Three, yeah, three, three or four, I think. Um, two nils. Um, so it's it's been pretty difficult to get those three points, but uh, we're we're feeling pretty good. Unfortunately, of course, last week against Aries, we were we were expecting more. We were expecting at least a point, I think, against Aries. Um, Rainers getting that nil nil against Yanos, which was, my God, that was boring. Um, <laughs> but uh, then Zima came out, and you know we were pretty confident against. Basha, to be honest, um, and I just think it, it wasn't Zima's day, lost 3-2. Um, I think at the moment we're just kind of fortunate that the teams below us have been performing relatively poorly, to be honest. Um, I think that there are certain wink, weak links in uh, the teams below us that I think are going to enable us to uh, get out of the groups, um, but I, I also don't want to have to rely on the other teams messing up. I would rather us just like perform well and go through the groups naturally. And uh, a question to link in with that, you know, especially if anyone doesn't know, obviously Colin is uh, the AS Roma slash Fnatic uh, manager. Obviously started on started off in FIFA, now looks after um, the Street Fighter and Rocket League teams as well, just for the Elite Series um, and the Rocket League in general, I believe. But the question that you, I could ask you, sorry, um, is how have you felt about, you know, you've, you've done quite a lot of squad rotation which some organizations have been open to do obviously some have starters that play every week you know how have you how have you dealt with that squad rotation of course and how important is it obviously to make sure your players know that if you're not performing you're not going to be playing next week yeah i think it's it's really really important and i think that was um one of my points going into the season especially when everyone was talking about the draft and saying oh well you know if if i get drafted i'm never going to play and and i think that everyone has seen that like even if you are a drafted player most of the drafted players have actually ended up playing. Um, obviously, if, if you play for an Epsilon or a Unilad, you're probably not going to see much game time because they have established starters. You know, with us, we've had other commitments, so we've been able to play our, uh, our players. But as you guys saw last week, you know, with, with Rainers coming in when Poacher was available, um, it definitely came down to, you know, if you're performing, if you're on form, you know, then, then you're going to come in. And with Rainers beating fully, you know, with fully being the guy that just beat Gorilla, you know, that was a big statement of intent and, you know, he really took advantage of that opportunity. And so I think we're, it's definitely rewarding those that play well and kind of showing those that aren't playing well that, you know, if, if you're not playing well, then that place in the team is, is not guaranteed at all. Anyone can be anyone in FIFA. You know, the best example of it is, is, you know, the top 64 leaderboards that go to, to Barcelona, obviously Manchester coming up as well. Like, I think it was Dreamer at the time when they beat Megabit, you know, 160 Megabit went and beat him very convincingly in that first game and obviously Megabit still went through and was in the top eight over on the Xbox side of things, which just shows, you know, anyone can beat anyone. What's been some of the key things as well, without trying to make this into too much of a, a Q&A, but obviously as Colin is a, is, a, is a manager, obviously, for one of these organisations, how have your players approached this one game format? Because it's a very different style to go into it. You know, you've got to be very, like from the off, you've got to be, for me, attack, attack, attack. However, I do see a lot of players, in my opinion, play, obviously from what we've watched so far, a bit more reserved. 
yeah, look at that Janos Janos <coughs> game that we saw last week. I think, I think ne- I think neither player, ne- like both players had the mindset that we can't lose this game. Whereas, like, they didn't go out to win it; they almost went out not to lose. Um, not sure if that is the right mindset, but given that you've got someone else who can pick up points for you on the opposite console, if you play first, I think the mindset going into it is just don't lose this game. And then your your teammate can come in and pick up a point if 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 possible. Yeah, and I think that that's it's a dangerous mindset to have, you know, because I think just getting one point from every single game isn't going to be enough to you know make it through the groups. Um, where obviously I've said if we get four points, if we stay on four points, you might still go through. But you know, I don't think that should ever be the goal. Um, so I think our players have kind of approached it from like let's try and get the first goal and then play it from there. Um, for example, Zima went in and from the very beginning of the game against Salonius picked up that first goal and from then didn't really look back. And I think it's 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 been more about the players that can can hold those leads. I think Rainers was 3-0 up in 50 minutes, maybe 55 minutes, and then basically just like kept the ball for as long as he could. And then fully, you know, when he scored and it was 3-1, it was in the 85th minute. And by that point, you know, you don't have enough time to get back into the game. Um, so I think it's all about establishing those leads early on and trying to maintain them and not so much like uh, playing for the draw or, you know, just being like, oh, well, all we need is that one point. You can even see it in the quotes from Basha after beating Zima. He said, you know, I knew that it didn't matter if I won or got a draw. Um, I would still get a point. But what I did know is if I won the game, then we would be denying, you know, Roma and Fnatic a point. And so I think that, you know, the, the players are very aware, especially in-game, what what every result means. You know, they know, oh, if I lose this, this happens. If I draw this, this happens. If I win, this this happens. And I think going into these last two weeks, you're going to see the players that are the most mentally strong are probably going to do the best because that's going to be going through their minds, especially if you are, if it's week five and you know, if I win this game, we're into the playoffs and our season continues, or if I lose this, our season's over and it's going to be my fault. And I think that pressure is, is is something that these players haven't really experienced before because we've never really had like a league format like this before for FIFA. So it's going to be a completely new experience for these players. And taking a step away from Gfinity, um, one thing that we didn't really get the chance to talk about, uh, me and Brandon, we were at the uh, Draft Story Cup a couple of weeks ago and it, it, were, it were a more relaxed atmosphere, a more relaxed tournament. But one thing to come out of that that created a little bit of buzz was the potential for foot draft to maybe come into more um, major events potentially down the line? Um, Brandon I, I, first, and I then thought Colin. it was the casting couch that was, that was, <laughs> that was taking all the hype. I mean, the couch was was a success, but I think. Do you think that the the draft mode could be used more in competitive FIFA? Because personally, for me, I as a spectator, that's what I am first and foremost. I watch it. I enjoyed it as a fan. And I also enjoyed commentating on that more because we just saw more players, we saw more versatility. And also, before Colin jumps in as well, I know for a fact, you know, there was people from EA, there was, you know, event organisers, esports, you know, even Colin would have been watching that for a period of time. They liked the idea as well, and they and, and a lot of people have gone away from that tournament as well, from what I've heard, you know, on social media and from you know from people in the scene, that that could obviously we'll hear from you, Colin, in a second. You know that just opens up a completely new door of opportunities for formats. What do you think, Colin? I mean, it's esports. You know, like um, I think I think that's what interests everyone so much is that that is esports, and that's 
that's what really interests people. Um, I, I was a really big fan of it, to be honest, because, you know, coming from, you know, the traditional esports background with Fnatic, you know, some of the most interesting parts of, of games like League of Legends is, is the pick ban system and seeing which champions people choose and seeing those crazy choices or those, you know, left field choices and seeing the players that, you know, players might not be playing weekend league with. Um, the only thing I would say is I think that if, if they were to do this kind of format, they should put a, a, a basement level basically on how, on how low the cards can be rated because there's eight to one plus. It, it should be like 81, 82, 83, 84 plus or something like that. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the best parts of it though, right? Is seeing those players that, you know, people don't expect to use like all of a sudden, like, Oh, you know, I have to use Pianich. Like what? What is that going to be like? Um, oh, I have to use a goalkeeper I'm not used to, or uh, or a striker I'm not used to, or you know, all of a sudden you see people like Juan Jesus maybe having to be, uh, you know, it's just it brings in something so so interesting, and I think that um, maybe certain things could be taken away from that. I don't know if the draft format literally is in foot draft, but maybe more so like a um, like like basically you go in and at the beginning of 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 the game you get to like ban one player and then yeah. the other player gets to pick three players and then they ban one and then you pick three you know and, and it it shows you know what are you going to prioritize this game you know like are you going to basically say like let's try and gut his defense let's try and get rid of De Gea let's you know oh this guy relies on Vieira or he can't defend you know I it it's a completely different dimension um that I think is kind of lacking right now I think as well is that the one thing that obviously we took me and Richie from the commentary side of it as well is that players had to utilise, you know, it, as you said, it come down to a lot more of how much, how clever some of the players were in their picking as well. Like Sean Allen, for example, he, you know, he had a very interesting draft throughout the whole tournament. He sort of like a five at the back in one and he was having to, you know, rely on players like Mane who, you know, in any ultimate team that if you haven't got loads of coins wouldn't be a bad pick. Mm -hmm. and he was just utilising him. He was making sure he was getting him in the right areas on the right foot, you know. Say a player only say if one player only had Messi, didn't have Ronaldo, didn't have any big names as well, they would make sure that they got Messi on his left foot and they made sure they used him as much as they could, obviously, in the in the perfect area as we would yeah. used to see with, you know, eleven star players on the field. And I think that was one key thing that I'm sure Richard can agree with that we saw from that tournament. Yeah, I think one more thing as well that we'll take out of the tournament, um, with the potential uh pick uh, ban and protect system. Um I think if I were playing against Colin and I had information on Colin that I'd done before the game, so I knew that Colin's favourite formation was a four two three one. That was the only formation that he played. If I were able to ban that formation from the game completely, that I'd add a completely different meta to the game. Because I feel like a lot of players don't look at their opposition. I used to yeah. watch a lot of um like Call of Duty Black Ops three when it was like super big like the COD World League everything like that and one of the most enthralling bits of the entire game was the first three minutes where you'd pick your specialist you'd be able to ban other people's specialists so if I were able to take out of the game the 4-2-3-1 and I know that your favourite player is Team Dia Ramos take out Team Dia Ramos I'm not only have I affected you mentally and I'm in your head a little bit but also I've just taken out the two best assets to your game like it adds a completely different meta to FIFA that's not there at the minute and I think addressing some of the uh, the criticisms that you've seen some some from from some of the pros I think some of the pros are saying oh well that's not fair 
Um, and I think at the end of the day, if you, if you look at other esports like League of Legends, you know, um, it's it's not always fair in those games either. You know, you play the matchups, you you get to pick a champion, and then the other team doesn't get to pick that same champion. You know, so it's it's all about the strategy of it, and it's not so about not so much about necessarily going in and saying, okay, this is what I play every single day. I play with this all the time. I just think from a viewership standpoint too, it, it makes it a lot more interesting for the viewer. Um, because I think, you know, there's there's enough uh, variation right now to where we're far away from the days of Real Madrid versus Real Madrid, which was the was, was just awful to watch. Um, but now we're, we're in a period where there is some variation where you get, like, some players using Roberto Carlos or they're using, you know, uh, Inform Aurier. But it seems like most of the variation is at, like, the fullback position or the CDM position, or the center-back position. And basically, you're seeing every game, Ronaldo, R9, plus other player, other small cam, you know, whether that be Messi or Neymar. And and at some point, it, you know, at some point, I think it might become stale. I don't know if it's stale yet. I don't think it is. I think it's still interesting to watch. But I think at some point, you know, it, it, might, become, it might become a bit stale. The, the best point about this is, though, Colin, is the fact that we don't even have to do every tournament in a draft mode. You know, it goes about saying the draft story cup was a was a one off event that hopefully will come back again next year. It wasn't part of the FIFA E World Cup, it was just a one off tournament. It was a bit of practice for pros and potentially to earn some more prize money. Like, as you said, it adds different different styles, different formats to the event. So like you got the G Finity Elite series for number one, like one game of FIFA. It's not a two legged game, it's not Swiss style format. Um yes with the, with the squad selection, maybe we could alter that. But I like the way as well that maybe this year we're seeing it a lot more. As you said, Colin, you know, we've gone from that transition of head-to-head to just you know ultimate team, um, the fact of when you go to the big events, you can have those EA accounts where you can use any player you want. I think we are in the building process at the moment. Yeah, and I think uh, hearing your guys' casting even during the event too, it, it kind of made better use of your guys' in-game knowledge because then you could later in the draft be like oh well you know if he would have done this earlier on in, in the draft you know he might have been able to make the chemistry work or he might have been able to you know have a better play player here or there and you saw players making mistakes or maybe it was a tactical decision from them and then you guys can kind of weigh in and it kind of gives you guys more to do i think from the casting side too oh the amount of times where i said pick this player they were in like um uh, soundproof boxes the two players who were playing so like they couldn't hear us but at one point I think Sean Allen were drafting, and like, I was literally saying it over and over again, Brandon. If he puts N'Golo Kante at right centre mid, he can play Mbappe at six chemistry at striker. And I, I was just talking to myself because it weren't getting done. <laughs> getting done. Also, that as well. The Twitch chat was uh, was giving out orders as well, which was you know, That's we, the, yeah. we could we could interact with the Twitch chat, and it was a different. It was you know, as I said, it was quite a relaxed, um, chill kind of vibe onto it. You know, what what was the feedback you got from your players? Obviously, Zimmer and. Uh, Poach competed there. I think I think the pros had a lot of this, uh, you know, the same feedback, which was, you know, oh, I would have done better if my draft was better, you know, like oh my, you know, I had to play with you know, James Tarkowski at center back, you know, like there were there were certain I think criticisms of of that side of it, and that's why I was critiquing it, saying there needs to be a cap on on the level of players if this was to happen again, like eighty three plus or something like that. Um, but I think in general, you know, they liked the atmosphere. Um, they liked how kind of laid back it was and how they could just kind of walk around, be a part of the casting if they wanted to, um, be able to just hang out a bit more 
and and actually practice as well. I think there was a lot more availability for for players to play outside of the matches because obviously at you know EA events there's there's not really like a practice area. There's just like this is where you play your games, um, and you kind of have to just practice at your console when they allow it. Um, whereas with the draft story cup, it was, I think I, and they said it was, uh, you know, like the timing was just perfect and it was run incredibly well and it was, everyone was playing right on time. And, and I think even for the pros, it was much more interesting for the pros to watch each other because then the other players could get involved. The coaches, quote unquote coaches had more to do. Um, so yeah, I think the the feedback was, was for the most part good. It was just maybe a a balancing issue on the side of uh, what teams they had to play with. If you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Just go to @footchampionspod on Twitter, drop a follow, and then you'll find all your subscription options in the pinned tweet. Oh, and also while I've got you, why not check out this podcast, More Casual Older Brother, the Foot Weekly podcast, for in-depth reviews, Team of the Week rundown, content chat, and general foot discussion. And um, another thing that recently I've been thinking about, uh, I've been watch- we've been commentating on Gfinity, myself and Brandon, and we've also been covering a lot of other events. We uh, commentated the V4 Gaming Festival uh, over in Budapest recently, that were a FIFA World Cup qualifier. And I've been looking around, and there's no real ranking system for... A franchises and B for FIFA players. Apart from the Foot Champs monthly leaderboards, which, in my opinion, isn't a great way to rank pros competitively. Totally um, agree. At LAN events, especially because you've seen players do very poor. Look at Tex, for example. He squeezed in to Barcelona, and then, apart from the two games he lost against Kurt and. Uh, Gorilla pretty much walked everybody else that he played against in that competition. So, I'd like to see a either a ranking system on franchises. So maybe a, a team gets a certain amount of points for how many uh, competitions they might win, or if the Manchester event might be worth five hundred points, and then they go maybe top of the leaderboard. For example, we'll say if Shells wins Manchester, that's just a name that's come off the top of my head. If he then gets 500 points, that might put Unilad into first place. They will then be, if they're first placed in July, August, whenever the grand final, the FIFA World Cup grand final will be, they will then be the number one seed going into the tournament. I think there has to be some sort of seeding going into going into this grand final or even into the playoffs, you might say, because it doesn't matter how you've qualified, but there has to be, I think there's got to be some sort of regiment and standings so people can see how many points they've got they can see where they can grind for etc well it, what, what are your thoughts on that well, well it opens up a whole new world as well um because each tournament as this has already been said as well you know by colin and richard as well is each tournament could be worth more points you know you're talking about the big ea majors with more players there at a higher level you may be looking at more points for that and then a gfinity event depending on your positioning you could obviously get Different po- different points that could, uh, you know, be a little bit different depending on obviously the, the difficulty of the tournament. Then it's the you know the question of how do you say how difficult a tournament is, and I guess you could look maybe at a tournament in your own country might be worth less points because it's just you playing against your own country. There's a number of ways to go down it. I'm sure you know Colin will have a view on this as well, but it opens up a whole new debate of like kind of a little bit like um, it's even like international rankings, for example, like. I think 
um, Poland national team, I believe they kept their ranking because they didn't play loads of international friendlies after they, they qualified for the World Cup. And then the more international friendlies you, you played or you won or you lost, it changed your rankings before the draw or, or prior to the draw or something on those lines. So every game you play, this would mean, would actually mean something to those rankings now? Yeah, I just think it's, it, you know, increases the value on, on all events. Um, for example, the way that Capcom does it is they have the Capcom Pro Tour, which is a series of different events that you can either choose to go to or choose to not go to, and all of them have different ranking points. So for example, um, there's an event coming up in Brussels where, you know, you sign up, you pay your entry fee or whatever, you play. If you win it, you get 150 ranking points. If you get second, you get 100 or whatever it is. And then it goes all the way down to like top 32, I think. And the 32nd place person gets like one point, I think. So I I, I think, because I know what the argument's going to be against this, it's going to be like, oh, well, that's not fair because if France has two or three events and my country only has one. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's all about your commitment to the scene and about now that we're becoming more and more professional, we can't continue to cater to necessarily the, the casual player that's like about to get to that, you know, next tier. We have to start catering to the pros at some point. And I think this is the way that you start to do that because um, I know dozens of teams that if you say, okay, there's an event here, it's worth $10,000 prize pool plus you know, 75 ranking points for the overall leaderboard so that you're seated better at the end of the year, like people are going to go to that no matter what, whether it's 10K, 7.5K, 5K, you know, 20K, 50K, 100K, like people are going to travel, especially if it's in Europe, you know, there, there's so many more teams and now you have EMLS. So there's all these American teams that would be willing to fund their players. There's all these teams now popping up and, you know, with, with, with the Australian league have a couple of events out there and, you know, just assign different levels of points. So where, where it might be a national event, it might be worth 25 points, maybe an, an open European event might be worth 75, the majors worth 200, you know, there's, there's a way to structure this, I think that makes it, a lot more interesting and it also increases the overall event load for these players um i don't know it's a bit of a mixed opinion right because i think there has to be an element of every region being represented but there's also that element of you know i think there's definitely a faction of people that say they're you know the top 100 players 95 of them are in europe um and i think some people have that opinion and I think outside of that, you have people like, and I'm not saying that there aren't good players in these other regions with, you know, MS Desari and, um, you know, Punny Badger, Marcus, uh, you know, Chris from 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 America, Fiddle, people like that. You know, there, there are very good players, but I don't know. I just, I think it would be a bit more benefit, beneficial to have events like, you know, Copenhagen Games where it's just open to everybody and then whoever's willing to you know, invest in, obviously this is coming from someone that we send our players all over the place. So this is a bit biased, but I think it's it, having more open events where you're having the, the highest level of competition every single time is going to be better. And you're going to get the better crop of players than saying, okay, here's one qualifier spot and it's only going to go to an, a Hungarian, Polish or Czech player. Um, whereas, you know, put, add another six to 12 countries in that. And I don't think you're going to have the same overall level and I think at the end of the day if you have someone that ends up missing out on the playoffs or something like that um, and it's to one of these 
qualifier spots that goes to a specific country. I don't know if players are necessarily going to think that's 100% justified and that you're going to see the the highest level of competition at the grand final, which is what the playoffs are supposed to be. We've also arguably not seen, it might come up soon, but we've not seen a, a UK qualifier yet. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, given that arguably, I'd probably say behind <coughs> Germany, the strongest country. It's Germany, of, France, UK, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, those three, I think, I think Germany for me is number one, and then I think France and UK are like they they they'll top each other, and then at an event, French players will do well at another event, uh, UK players will do well. But those three, like we've seen the the virtual Bundesliga, and we've seen the the French E League, both uh, nation locked to to those places. I'm very surprised that we've not seen a UK or uh, an England or anything like that based tournament yet, or even. A qualifier, um, given how strong the competition Obviously, and talent level is. I think I'm, I'm sure you would have mentioned it anyway, but Edivisie as well in Holland. Yeah. Um, you know they're the big standout ones, and you know when the Premier League comes in, we always say at an event or any any time we can. Hopefully, it won't be too long before it does come. You know, even like you know Calcio Calcio A Serie A. You know, for 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 a club like yourself, Colin, as well, obviously linked in with Fnatic and AS Roma. I think Italy are an area as well that I think could could do with a lot more tournaments as well. Uh, yeah, well, I think uh, just have to maybe watch this space on that one about more things happening in, in Italy. I think we're trying to help push the, the Italian FIFA scene as much as possible because you, know, you have seen good players come out of the scene recently with you know Principe and Gabri and you know there there are definitely good players in that region, um, but. Uh, I th- the, the thing about the UK, com- coming back to that a bit, is it's not like there aren't the opportunities to to put FIFA events on. These FIFA qualifiers being roped in with other events, like a la ESWC for, and, and Paris, you know, and then having, you know, French-only qualifiers for that event and, you know, showing a bit of favorability to, to the French at that event. So, you know, I, why, why not do the same thing at Insomnia or at ESL Birmingham or, you know, like there's... There's, I think there's a lot of different events in the UK that you definitely could um, could incorporate the EA competitive structure with. I don't know, because it seems weird that pretty much... Do you think it's because the Premier League's not involved with it? Because if you look at the others, like it's the J League, the, the A League in Australia, the MLS. If it had the Premier League back in, do you think we'd, we'd, have, more like, we'd have seen something like this happen? I think it's more so not. I don't think it's necessarily about the league because obviously, yeah, the league would have given a spot, but that again limits it in in the way that only players that are signed to those Premier League teams can play. Um, I think if you look at things like Tropsa, for example, example, that's just a very good um, uh, esports organization uh, organizer in Sweden that cares enough about the Swedish, you know, FIFA and the Swedish esports ecosystem to say, all right, we're going to put this event on, we're going to have, you know, all of these Swedish players out and we're going to, or the, I think it's might be Swedish and Danish, actually, I think it might be a couple of those countries, but anyways, having that event and saying like, we just care enough to, to have this happen. Um, whereas I don't, you know, like obviously Gfinity's done a great job with what they have and they have a qualifier spot, but I think there's definitely room for, for more people in the UK to just step up and say, all right, we're going to do this. And, and I think Insomnia is probably 
the the only person I can think of at this moment um, that would be the one to say, all right, let's let's do something here and uh, you know give the UK players uh, a place to play without necessarily having to have the worlds you know come to London. The thing I take from that though as well is that it's it's about taking that risk. You know, you know, Colin, you took that risk. You know, you you approached the you know approached clubs, you approached you know Roma, Fnatic, and said, right, let's make a FIFA team, let's go and do this. In the Premier League, I don't think anyone has really taken that risk other than Manchester City doing a great job as well, and West Ham. Um, obviously, Manchester City have got the whole City Group model as well, linking in their clubs all across the world. It's about taking that risk, you know. I think Ajax are a great example as well. You know, a really good football club in esports too. That if you speak to the guys there or even the pros, you know, they're so grateful for the board members down the line that took that risk in esports. You know, went there and that you know they're seeing the success right now. I think you need young people at the the forefront pushing it in football clubs. If you look at Manchester City, you've got um, Will, who's really pushing forward with uh, creating content as well with the players and um, signing some massive players as well. Dito coming in, huge pickup for him. You've got Colin at Roma pushing it forward, a young mind thinking forward. At Ajax, that model that they've got is very very well structured uh, with Mike and the, the guys there pushing Ajax esports players Danny Cohen I mean look at what they've done under the Ajax banner with the social media growth they've both got 100,000 followers on Instagram now um, they're, they're very good players as well they, they've always got a presence at the major events so I think in football clubs you have to have someone who understands esports and someone who's willing to say look this is what we need to do this is how we can move it forward because in esports organisations, it's not new. Esports isn't a new thing. It's been going on for for years. So transitioning to a new game is very easy. With football clubs, this is a brand new uh, experience, a brand new venture. And I think until they get the young minds in there pushing it forward, it's going to take a while for some of the, the clubs to get on board with it. I think it's one of those things, though, as well, that when everyone comes... Well, sorry, when a few start coming, everyone will come because... You know, I think you have to look at some of the big dogs in that league. You know, Manchester United, Chelsea, you know, Liverpool in there as well. I think there are people behind the scenes that we don't see. You know, maybe look in the in the social medias or or in the marketing that are keen to jump into this, but they they want to do it right. You know, they want to have that the social strategy with it to go with. It. Is that something that is really important, Colin, to look at, like to not just jump in? Yeah, I think that's the. I think that might be the barrier for entry for some of these teams. Is if you're Manchester United, if you're Chelsea, if you're Liverpool, if you're Arsenal, Spurs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, or I guess not Barcelona anymore, but Real Madrid, Juventus, you know, all these clubs, uh, you don't want to come into esports and just be like, oh, we're here. Like you want to come in and you want to sign one of the biggest players in the world and be like, no, we're here to do this seriously. We're here to win because that's what we want to do. The problem is, is there's not that many players at that level. You know, there aren't enough players right now that you can come out and sign and say statement of intent. This is where we are. You know, we're doing this seriously. We're, we're standing our foot because I don't think Chelsea wants to come in and sign, you know, a player that's gotten top 100 eight or nine times you know, and say like, oh, we're here and they kind of do it. And, you know, I think these, these teams want to do it and they want to do it correctly. 
and they want players to build around. And unfortunately, I think there's a, there's a lot of very good, talented, young free agents, but I think that brand building is something that FIFA players are still learning how to do, and I think they're getting better at it. But I think we're still too young of an eSport right now for there to be you know 10 to 20 players that you can just come in and franchise around right now. Um, I think when you look at players that you can actually build a team around and kind of impress people with with your entry is it's a very short list of names in my opinion i think it's probably 12 to 15 different guys in the world that you could come in and and you know us in the in the fifa esports community would go like whoa they're you know taking this really seriously so for example manchester city picking up dito that was one where i was like wow that is that's a big pickup right there um and i just don't see there being enough players at dito's level that you know these other clubs could come in and pick up and have a similar effect. And uh, one of the, the final points, I think, uh, of the podcast, we've uh, we've not really done this before, but let's uh, ESWC is coming up uh, a week, um, a week this weekend when the podcast is going out, and uh, I'm just having a look through the the players who have qualified yeah, for I'll, the tournament. I'll, I'll take the I'll take the Xbox side. I'll go through some of the names that have qualified. There is still. A French qualified to come out, and it will probably be done, obviously by the time this podcast is uh, released. Um, I think we do a little bit of a prediction. Yeah, over on the Xbox side of things, then. So you've got currently at this moment in time on a Wednesday evening, uh, you've got three French players, uh, three UK players, one uh, Italian player, one Saudi Arabian, Zubru Mike is in there as well from Japan, a Canadian, uh, one guy from the US, and Germans. So. The German players you got you got Marlet in there, Footwish Dubs, uh, Mayo, um, over in France, Rafsu, Dax, Brian. Um, you got Fabio uh, Denuso in there. MS Dasari is in there as well. Um, Hashtag Harry is in there. Um, X Benny from Method. Connor Keys free agent at the moment as well. Um, and then Goal Machine um, Nawid uh, Norwazi uh, from Canada. For me, looking at that, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna pick three players from the place. From the Xbox side of things, um, Richard, or should we just pick one each? Player each. I'm gonna go player. with. Um, I think this player has to have a big competition, um, and I think we have to see a win out of him. We've not seen a win from this organization since uh, the last time they were in Paris. Uh, hashtag United when Tass brought it home. I think we have to see a big performance from Harry. Um, at ESWC okay. uh, over the seventh and eighth of April, I, he's good enough to do it, and I think I think this this tournament could be the tournament that uh, it brings it brings on the bacon stuck, for hashtag. I'm stuck between two to be honest, because you know me, I do like <coughs> to sometimes go for maybe not always the favourite. However, MS Dasari hasn't been really a headline player this year. However, part of me fancy him, but I'm going to shove in Mayo from the German. He's, he was in. Barcelona. He's been playing very well. He's kind of gone under the radar in the German scene, but Mayo for me, I love his hair as well, like an afro. Um, he's he's a uh, he's going to be my player to watch out for. Uh, I've got to say that I think that there are certain players that just play well in certain environments. They play well in certain stadiums. They play well against certain teams, and there's no player better than going to Paris and winning ESWC than two-time ESWC champion. Dax um I I just you know like and I I know Dax hasn't had a great year this year but 
the kid just seems to to feed off the energy when he's in Paris. You know, he feeds off the crowd. He feeds off the Frenchman. You know, I think it's just a an atmosphere he thrives in, no matter how well he's playing. And I think it also negatively affects his opponents because you know you know that crowd is going to be one hundred percent rooting for him to win. Um, as well, uh, honorable mention, I would definitely say Brian because I think Brian's looked pretty good in the past weeks with you know with Gfinity and uh, some positive results in Pro Cups and stuff like that. So I think I think. Dax is definitely my favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Brian go out and put in a, a performance to roll back the years. PlayStation side of things, Richard, are you able to, to call them out? Um, I think there's a, there's a, f- a few very very big names yep. uh, in that PlayStation side. Um, I believe that's Cody the Finisher from Germany. Yep. Uh, Marv from Germany as well. I'm expecting him to have a big yep, tournament. Maestro. The Turin, Torin Page. Uh, I watched his series against Zima in the final of the Pro Club, Pro Cup, uh, like two nights ago. I think might have, might have been last night. And he plays some very effective FIFA, but man, if it's not some of the most boring FIFA I've ever seen. Um, I like possession players are so frustrating to play against, and um, they're even worse to watch. Um, so I hope I quite, I quite like getting into them. Yeah, I get my teeth into a good possession game that Dito plays. No, but I mean, then you end up, but then you end up with like a Yanos versus Ranners from Gfinity, which just makes some of the like the worst FIFA ever. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm not a fan. Other, it might be some other people's cup of tea that likes to watch um, that style, but I would definitely rather see a seven-five goal goal fest than a like two-nil like seventy-seven percent possession game. Yeah, that's fair enough. And obviously, if you didn't know already, we may have mentioned earlier on um, from this tournament there will be one place from PlayStation, one from Xbox that will um, join uh, the FIFA 18 Global Series playoffs later on in the year. Ten thousand um, dollars prize in there. Are we going to give one name each, lads, from um, the PlayStation <coughs> side of things? One player each. I'm going to just kick it off. Who do I fancy? Uh, again, I just. Oh, pardon me. Oh, I, do, I do love an underdog. Should have my boy Mikko in there. If he if he ever listens to this podcast, he's meant to come on as a guest a little while back. Hopefully, we'll get. He's, he is no. He's one of the best. I'm going to say it's one of the best upcoming Danish players out there at the moment. I fancy. It's so stacked. Maybe I think it's one of the most. It's it's a very stacked tournament. Uh, for only two players to go through as well. Um. I'm gonna go in Marcuso. Okay. I'm gonna back. I, I think Marcuso's take it. He hasn't looked great, to be honest, since Club World Cup. I think he has a bit of the shells about him, where like at events, like he hasn't had as much success since he's won like that first big major event. But yeah, no, he's still a very, very good player, and Shells is playing really well now. So he kind of shut me up in the past couple weeks, anyways. Um, <laughs> But it's the thing is, after watching the Turin play, like I just don't see how someone someone beats it. Like I maybe if it's like a, I don't know what the format is for ESWC. If it's like groups and it's best of one, if it's best of one, maybe maybe he do, like doesn't do as well. But you know, if once you get into the knockouts, best of two, best of three against this guy, like he just doesn't let you have the ball. And I think it's very difficult. And I think in this current meta right now, it's it's just a very effective way to play. Uh, I don't know how he'll do against some of these Germans, though, because I know, like, 
Marv and Sakul and, and Cody like also can keep the ball when they need to. Um, but I'm tempted to go with a throwback pick with Cody, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Turin. We have Colin's pick there. He fancies the Turin. Uh, let us know who you fancy in. Uh, I think on Twitter is probably the best way. Uh, at Foot Chance Pod or on YouTube in that comment section below, but. I think that just about wraps us up, Brandon, this week. But a big thank you, as always, for uh, Colin Johnson, aka Kojo Fee, for coming on the podcast. And um, obviously, from Fnatic and Roma over there. We've, as Richard said, we've, we've covered a number of issues, you could say, in Fee, for a number of controversial points, tournaments, etc., that we've all had an influence on or been lucky enough to be involved at. Um, so, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, um, be sure to drop us a follow at, at FootChampsPod uh, over on Twitter. If you listen on YouTube or of our website be sure to, to subscribe drop a like and drop a comment below you know who what pros you want to see on because every other week occasionally from the odd week we will be having pros on as well just to join into our discussion and yeah thank you for your support as always um, with the foot champs podcast enjoy your weekend league games as always say uh, when this podcast will come out whether you listen to it whilst you play i don't know if it's the best thing to do or not hopefully it is um, and as always we'll catch you next time for a brand new podcast bye bye If you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Just go to at Foot Champions Pod on Twitter, drop a follow, and then you'll find all your subscription options in the pinned tweet. Oh, and also, while I've got you, why not check out this podcast's more casual older brother, the Foot Weekly Podcast, for in-depth reviews, Team of the Week rundown, content chat, and general foot discussion. Thank <laughs> you.